does not make sense. So, get your Bibles out. We're going to get ready for Bible study. We are in the fourth week of our Watchmen series. We'll finish it up next week. We have been looking at the job that God has given us as Christians, and that is to be watchmen. We've seen, we saw the first week the responsibility of being a watchman. Does anybody remember who the guy's name is that we got the story from uh, that showed us that we should be watchmen? Anybody remember that guy's name? Just yell it out if you think you know it. No, really? Has it been that long? One of the, one of the prophets in the Old Testament. Ezekiel, good job, whoever gave Worley that answer. Ezekiel is the correct answer. Ezekiel 33, if you want to review, Ezekiel 33 verses 1 through 7 is where God says, hey man, you're like a watchman because you need to warn the people that judgment's coming. And we saw that we have that responsibility as well because we're to warn people about judgment that's coming, but also how they can be spared from that judgment. And so that's really the basis of this entire series is that this school year, we want to shift our perspective from just going to school, from just getting through the school year to focusing on the task at hand that God has given us. And so we saw the responsibility of being a watchman. We saw the urgency of being a watchman and knowing the times, right? Last week, we saw the motivation of watchmen and understanding what we are to understand, because having a proper understanding of the gospel will give you a proper understanding of who you are in relation to several things that we saw last week. I'm not going to go through the whole message, but a proper understanding of the gospel will help you to understand that you are a debtor to people. You owe them the gospel. It's not simply that you got saved and that's cool. You have this worldview. You have this, you know, Midwestern religious worldview now. No, no, no. You are a debtor to the lost to give them the gospel. And we saw those other things. So simply understanding the gospel, having a proper understanding of what the gospel is, what its power is, what it implies, will help you understand and motivate you to be a watchman. And after seeing for the last three weeks why we should be watchmen, I feel like I'm beating that horse, why we should be watchmen, why we should be urgent, why we should be motivated. Tonight, I want to get really practical, and I want to look at the nuts and bolts of how to be a watchman, okay? We've, we've talked about, you know, watchmen, the, their job is to watch and to warn, okay? I, and at face value, that's really simple, but it's one thing to know what a job is, and it's another thing to know how a job is done. And so that's what I want to look at tonight. And so we're going to see the vocation of a watchman tonight. Does anybody know what the word, I'm going to be asking you guys questions tonight, so just give me participation. I know that school started, summer is over. It's just, you just got to get over it. It's just, it's over, man. The, the sooner you can get over it, the sooner that you'll be out of that bad mood, and you'll be right into a better mood, and we'll just be grinding it out. So somebody tell me what the word vocation means. What does vocation mean? Y'all are in high school. This is your first language. What does the word vocation mean? Job. Good job. (laughs) Job. Occupation. What you do. That is what a vocation is. A career, a job, an occupation. So tonight we're going to see how to do the job, how to do the vocation of being a watchman. So who in here has a job? Wow, lots of you. Awesome. So Ty and a couple of y'all are still slacking, but most of you understand what having a job is like. That's okay. Hang on to your childhood, man. You have the rest of your, you have the, you graduate high school, you work, and then you die. So just enjoy being a kid, okay? So 
those of you who, just yell out, a few, like, where, where do you work, or where have you worked? What, what, you work at Sumo? Like, right now? That's awesome. Can you get me free food? Okay, no, 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 never mind, never mind. So, <laughs> what else, what else? Who, s- Wendy's, so we got food service. Anybody else have not a food job? Retail, grocery store, nursing home? Who works in a nursing home? You're an adult. Kids, high schoolers, where do you work? Gwen, where do you work? Just you work at Justice? That's awesome. That cute little girl skirts and stuff. It's so adorable. Anybody else? Okay, so so you guys have jobs, okay? It's food service, retail, all that kind of thing. So did did you guys have to go through training? Right? Yes. Typically, at least most places, you don't just get thrown in and they did now did any of you guys have to watch a training video? Wendy's, yeah, I worked at Wendy's in high school. I wonder if it's the same training videos, probably. So some of you, see the reason they do training and they show training videos is because, yeah, everyone, we all know what Gage does. We all know what you do at Wendy's. You bring people up, you make food. But that doesn't mean you know how to do it. It doesn't mean you know where the buns are kept, right? There's, there's, <laughs> there's intricacies to even... Gage's job that only Gage knows unless you work at Wendy's. Sorry, Gage, I'm going to pick on you. We're Wendy's bros. We're tight. We both worked at Wendy's. I worked at Ponderosa back in the day. Anybody remember Ponderosa before it closed? It was, it was a little buffet. Uh, it wasn't the best. They, they did. They did. They did have ice cream, just like the China buffet. So for those of you, so who, who works at a job and didn't have to do training videos? Raise your hand. You Okay, so here's, I, I, I pulled a video for you guys so that you have an understanding of what a training video, what the experience is like. I managed to find a video, a McDonald's training video from the 70s. Please enjoy. Yourselves. How come I always get the old grouchy? You, you're not the only one. Wow, it's been a rough day so far. Great, it's all kinds of 
what do you do with that don't care attitude? So tonight's message is about courtesy. I'm just kidding. That's fantastic, though, isn't it? That was Ronald McDonald himself, yeah. The founder of McDonald's. <laughs> I think that's how it works, right? But as, So th- those of you who have had a job where you do training videos, did you have, Gage, is that the kind of video that you watched? No, not quite. Okay, well, things have probably changed in the last five decades. <laughs> 70s were a long time ago now. Um, Bill's not here. We can't even ask him what the 70s were like. But... There's training to any job, and even something as goofy as telling people to smile is, is some sort of training, right? And so when you're going to do a job, an employer, if they're a good employer, they, they give you training, and at the very least, they should give you some sort of expectations, right, so you know what to do. Be, think about it this way. What if you started a brand new job, and you showed up on your first day, and they gave you a hat and a name badge, I don't know, whatever job, I'm, I keep rolling with Wendy's here, but whatever. They give you your uniform, they give you the, the stuff you need, and they say, okay, get to work. And you'd be like, ah, what do I do? I, I don't know what, to, you wouldn't know what to do. You'd be guessing because they didn't tell you any expectations. They didn't give you any training. They didn't tell you how to do your job. You might know what the job is, but you don't know how to do it unless they tell you. And so in this series, what we've been seeing is that as Christians, we have a job to do. We are to be watchmen. And God has called us to do that. We've seen a little bit of what that entails, and we, we know what a watchman does, right? We're supposed to watch and warn. But it's not enough to, to just know what to do, because if we're going to be effective at our job, we need to know how to do it, right? So tonight, 
I want us to take our Bibles and I want to look at God's training manual and see what it has to teach us about how to be a watchman, okay? So if you want to get your Bibles, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. That's going to be our main passage for tonight. It'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bible. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 17 through 21. We'll start in verse 17. It says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So that's our passage for tonight. But I w- look back at verse 17, what starts this passage. It says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I don't want to spend too much time on this verse because it's really just an intro. But this is telling us who he's talking to. He is talking to brothers and sisters in Christ. He is talking to fellow watchmen. He says, behold, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. When a person hears the gospel and responds to it in faith and believes that Jesus Christ died for their sins to pay for their eternal life and to atone for their sin, and they believe on that and they confess him as the Lord of their life and they obey what the gospel says in the scriptures, when they do that, the Bible says that they are born again. That's what John 3 says. And what happens is, spiritually, you are become a new creation. And what the Bible says here in 2 Corinthians 5 is that you are placed in Christ. Notice the preposition there. You are placed into Christ because before, previously, you were outside. You weren't in Christ. You were in the world. So before you were saved, Christian, you were in the world. But when you got saved and you gave your life to Christ, he picked you up and he placed you in Christ. You've been born again. You are a new creature a new creation, right? Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And this is a separate message for another time. But because of that truth, man, this means you don't have to dwell on the guilt of your past. You don't have to dwell on the anger or the depression or whatever baggage you brought into Christianity. You don't have to keep that anymore because God has made you a new creature. He's made you new. And that's an amazing thing. So what we see here is that Paul is talking and reiterating that, oh, by the way, before we get into our job description, our vocation, remember, you are a new person, Christian. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Christ is going to empower you to do this job. And in the next several verses, there's a word that pops up several times. Did you guys catch what it was? It kept repeating over and over again in that passage. The word is reconcile or reconciliation. Different versions of the word reconcile. You need to know this word. The word reconcile just means to restore. That's all it means. Restore or to make peace. Okay? To reconcile something. To restore it to what it previously was. Or to make peace between two things that are at odds. That's what reconcile means. So go into verse 18. And and, and remember that. Remember that definition. Verse 18. And all things. What are the things? Well, we just said that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. 
all things, or old things rather, are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So the Christian who is in Christ and has become all things new, verse 18, all things that are new, that are in Christ, are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Okay, so now we're getting to the nitty-gritty. What does that phrase mean, reconciled us to himself? By Jesus Christ. Well, what it means is that we're sinners. Before you're saved, if you're not saved today, you're a sinner. And your sin, what it has done, it has separated you from God. Literally put a partition in between you and God. And even more than that, the Bible says that it made us, sin made us the enemies of God. Romans 5, verse 8. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 10. For... If when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. See, God had to reconcile us to himself because we were his enemy because of sin. Sin separated us from God. It made us, mankind, the enemies of God, separated from him. And that's why he had to reconcile, restore his image in us, restore our relationship with him. So God used the death of Jesus Christ to restore us to himself, literally to make peace between us because we were at odds because of our sin. So if you're saved today, you have been reconciled by God back to him through the blood of Jesus Christ. He's restored his image in you that was once lost because of sin. That's what happened at salvation. If you're not saved, you need that because without the image of God, you will be separated from God from your sins for the rest of eternity and have to pay for your sins. Or you can let Christ nail them to his cross at Calvary. But that's the idea, is that God, he reconciled, he restored us to himself through Jesus Christ. That's salvation. But that's not all. Look at verse 18 again. It goes on to say, he reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So here we see the first part of our job description. The first part of our job description, our vocation, is that we have been given a ministry. We have been given a ministry. And that is what verse 18 calls the ministry of reconciliation. Well, what is that? Well, if we're going to figure out what that means, let's just break it down. What is ministry? Well, ministry, and this is on your study sheet, ministry is something that you do. Ministry is something that you do. It's defined as service. It's something that you do. It's an act. Biblically, I, I like to phrase it this way. Uh, you know, people phrase it different ways, but I think if you sum up the different ways ministry is used in the Bible, it's meeting the needs of others in love. It's meeting the needs of others in love. Ministry just means service. It's serving people. It's meeting their needs. Ministry is something that you do. Ephesians 4.12, I'll give you one example. It says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry is work. It's something that you do, and that's going to be important here in a little bit. We have impact teams here at Ignite, right? We, we have impact teams. They're ministry teams. Our, our impact teams do ministry. Well, what do they do? Well, worship team, think about it. If, if you just think about our four impact teams that we have worship team they meet our need we, we have a need you know that we have a need to worship God well they meet our need to worship God by providing us with an environment to do so on Wednesday nights they're meeting that need for us tech team well other than take out the worship side but the girls back there in the dark right now 
even though we're not worshiping, they're meeting our need to hear from God's word by running the technology required to do so. They're running the PowerPoint. They're running the lights. They're running the sound. They're meeting needs. Outreach team. Outreach team, they try to meet the needs of lost people. Typically, the physical needs is where we start. So you meet the physical needs of lost people so that they care about what you have to say, and then you can share with them how you can meet their spiritual needs through Jesus Christ. Inreach team, meet the needs of guests and ignite attenders when they come in so that they feel welcomed and feel a part of this ministry, this place. All of the impact teams we have, they're not here just for funsies. They're ministry teams. They're, they're, they're here to do the work of ministry. Everyone on an impact team is doing ministry. They're serving. They're either serving the body or they're serving others, lost people, but they're serving. And if you're not on one, man, you should join one. In the next couple of weeks in September, once we really get the fall kicked off, we're going to talk more about impact teams and our vision for them uh, this coming school year. But impact teams, ministry, is, it's something that you do. Okay, so if ministry is something that you do, well, then what's the ministry of reconciliation? Well, what's reconcile? What's reconciliation mean? To restore, right? To bring something back together, to make peace. Okay, what is ministry? Meeting the needs of others in love. Okay, what did Jesus do for you? He reconciled you to God. He restored you back to God because your sins separate. Okay, so you put all of that together. What's the ministry of reconciliation? Well, it's, it's simple, really. It's meeting the spiritual needs of lost people. What is the spiritual need of lost people? To be restored to God. And so the ministry of reconciliation is meeting the spiritual needs of lost people by telling them how to be restored to God. That's the ministry of reconciliation. It's sharing the gospel. It's evangelizing. It is using whatever, whatever means necessary to share with people how they can be restored to God. It's going and telling them how to be reconciled. By the way, the, the obstacle that we have to overcome many of the time, or most of the time, most people don't realize they need to be reconciled to God. That's, that's why it's hard. That's why it's not easy. It's, that's why it's, we don't just go out on the square every day and yell at people with sandwich boards, hey, you need to be saved. Saved from what? They don't know. So, so that's, that's what we have to overcome. That's ministry. And that is the ministry of reconciliation that God has given. Okay, well, how do we do that? <laughs> what, what do we do? How, how do I do this? Okay, let's, let's keep going. We're going to see in verse 20 that Paul tells us that we are ambassadors for Christ. That's your next blank. We are, in, we are ambassadors for Christ. Verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead be ye reconciled to God. Okay, participation. What is an ambassador? Who knows? One word answer. What's an ambassador? Give me a synonym. Yes, you got it. A representative. So you have foreign ambassadors in government, right? A foreign ambassador to a random country. Someone give me a random country. Israel isn't that random. Pakistan. I like it. What was the other one? China. Why don't you guys give me something like Chad or, you know, something random. That's okay. Turkey, Pakistan, whatever. Pick your favorite country. And then so if, we, if you have a foreign ambassador to that country, when they go to that country to conduct politics or business, their job is to represent the interests of their home country. They are a representative of the United States to that country. Okay? So if you are an ambassador for Christ, you are a representative on the behalf of Jesus Christ. Understand? That's what an ambassador is. 
You're you're, you are a representative for Christ. And notice what Paul says next. In he himself, as an ambassador, says, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. See, Paul understood what his job was. He is an ambassador. He was in Christ's stead. It's really hard to say. Pleading with people to be reconciled to God. That's what an ambassador does. That's what a watchman does. Paul understood that when Christ came into the world, he was seeking to save that which was lost. That which was lost was the image of God, Genesis 1, Genesis 3, Genesis 5. The image of God was lost because of sin, and so Jesus came to save and to seek that which was lost, and as he was seeking the lost who didn't have the image of God, he was seeking to reconcile them to God, to restore them, and to restore the image so that they could be reconciled to God. Now Jesus left. He's not here He left his disciples, he left Paul, he left the church. And what God did was give the ministry of reconciliation to the people he left here to do it in his stead, (laughs) what Paul says, on his behalf. That's what he did. He could have chosen any other way. I think Corey said this a couple weeks ago, unless I'm having a deja vu. He could have chose to write it in the sky, he could have chose to do whatever, whatever means he wanted to do, but he chose to give us the job that he was doing. That's the ministry of reconciliation. We are ambassadors. We are representatives on behalf of Christ going to people and begging them to be reconciled to God. So how does that factor into being a watchman? Sound the alarm. Blow the trumpet, right? Warn the people. You are an ambassador for Christ, watchman. It's your vocation. It's your vocation. Number two, not only have we been given a ministry. Number two, we have been committed a word. We've been committed a word. That sounds weird. Not something you might say every day. We've been committed a word. Look back at verse 18. We're going to get a running start to verse 19. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, not making them pay for their sins, right? And hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So we have two different things here. In in two consecutive verses, Paul says that we have the ministry of reconciliation and we have the word of reconciliation. Those are two different things. How do I know that? They are spelled differently. They are not the same. Things that are different are not the same. If you remember that little tidbit of gold, it'll help you rightly divide the word of truth. Things that are different are not the same. Ministry is something you do, and the reason we said that earlier is to define the difference. Ministry is something you do. A word is something you say. See the difference? That's key. Ministry is something you do. A word is something you say. I know this is deep. I can't understand the Bible. I'm not going to read it. Any sixth grader in the world can understand the Bible. You just got to take your time, pay attention to the words. A word is something you say. The Bible says you have something to do, and you have something to say. What do we have to say, watchmen? What's our warning? What have we seen the last three weeks? What do we have to say? We have the gospel, right? That is our warning to the people, and Paul goes on and says it in verse 21. That is the gospel. That's the message. That is the word. For he hath made him to be sin for us. Who knew no sin? 
that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That, in a nutshell, is the gospel. That is what Paul, in Christ's stead, is pleading with people as an ambassador, that he, Christ, was made to be sin for us, who, by the way, knew no sin. So he had to be made sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That is the warning. That is the word that we have. We have the word of the gospel. We are ambassadors for Christ, and we have the word of the gospel. The gospel is something that is spoken. It's something that is said. It is something that must be heard. It's important. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher, a proclaimer, a, a warner, someone who is saying the words? Romans ten seventeen. Because faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the what? Word of God. Why does this matter? Why does it matter that the gospel is something that's spoken and has to be heard? Because there's this old saying. I don't know who started it, but I see it pop up on Facebook every once in a while because it sounds spiritual. High schooler, let me warn you, not everything that sounds spiritual is biblical. Actually, a lot of things that sound spiritual are not biblical. But there's an old saying going around that has gone around for a long time that says, preach the gospel. Yay. Use words if necessary. That sounds spiritual. That means I need to live my life, right, so that when people see me, they say, that's a Christian right there. Okay, well, according to the Bible, that is complete baloney. Baloney. Yes, you ought to act like a Christian. Absolutely. Yes, you ought to conduct yourself as a Christian. If you act one way here and one way at school, you are a hypocrite. Stop it. Just stop it. Start living like God says. Yes, you ought to conduct yourself as a Christian. Yes, you ought to look like a Christian. Yes, you ought to shine, shine bright in a dark world so that you stand out and look different. Yes, yes, yes. But if you never open your mouth and say the words, no one's getting saved. No one's gonna get saved by looking at your different life. What happens is they look at your different life and they see something is different and then when they talk to you or you talk to them, you tell them why. <laughs> you speak the words. You give them the gospel. You have to open your mouth. You can do all the right things, but if you never say the words, how will they hear? Faith cometh by hearing the word of God. See that? You see that? I, I know some people might say we're splitting hairs here, but this is important. This really is. We saw exactly what the gospel is last week, right? And, and I said it er, earlier at the beginning. We're separated from God by our sin, but 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, tells us that Jesus, according to the scriptures, died, was buried, and rose again three days later, according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. The gospel is the bad news that we're separated from God because of our sin. The good news is we don't have to be, right? Jesus wants to reconcile us. That's the gospel. And Paul says it in verse 21 in a nutshell. Okay, so the vocation of a watchman, this is important, includes these two things. The, the, the vocation of a watchman is two things. You can't have one without the other. That is the importance. That's why I'm talking about this delineation. Because if you have ministry without the words, you know what you'll do? You'll love them straight to hell. <laughs> you'll meet people's needs straight to hell. 
You'll do humanitarian efforts straight to hell, right? You'll do social reform straight to hell. That's what lots of people are doing around here, but nobody's getting saved because there's no words. But if you have words and you have no ministry, you're yelling at people on the street corner who don't care what you have to say. It's both. It's the ministry and it's the word. You have to have both. You got to. It's important. It's both ministry and a word. It's do and say. It's ambassador and the gospel. See that? That's important. This is the job description. This is the training video. It's do and say. And this is really important because for many of you, your do and your say don't match up. Okay? Does your do and your say look the same? Do you walk the walk or do you just talk the talk? Because it's not one or the other. It's both. You gotta have both. Let me just remind you of James 1.22. It says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. It's great to know a lot of stuff, guys, but if you never do it, then it doesn't help, right? And it's really good to be a doer of the word, and it's really good to do ministry and to love people and to help us do outreach events, but if you never open your mouth, then no one's gonna get saved. It's, it's not only the ministry, it's, it's the word as well. They, they go hand in hand. They're inseparable. They're inextric- inextricably bound, Right? So that's where we're at. I want to leave us here under, under your conclusion there. I want to draw your attention to something that maybe you didn't notice, or maybe you did, and just thought I didn't notice it. <laughs> but I want to I look at, really quick, given versus committed. Because we have been given a ministry of reconciliation, but we've been committed a word of reconciliation. And if words matter, and things that are different are not the same, then given or committed are not the same. They're not synonyms. They mean similar things, but they're not the same. Okay, given, if I give you something, it implies freely given. It, Im- it implies it's, it's, it's a gift of some sort. The, the word give literally means to bestow or to transfer. You give something to somebody. If you give money, I'm transferring this money to you, and I'm not expecting anything in return. It's being given. So what Christ did is he left the earth, and he transferred the ministry of reconciliation to us. He gave it to us. He says, it's yours now. You go do it. It's been given to us. See, he transferred it to us. Do what he did. He gave you that. But you know what? Commit, it means something a little different. Commit means to give in trust. It literally means to entrust, okay? Giving doesn't expect anything in return typically, but committing or entrusting, it expects it to be kept or it expects you to preserve it, whatever the context is, or it expects you to be responsible with it, whatever is being committed, there is an expectation. And so listen, God gives the ministry of reconciliation, but he commits the word of reconciliation. He has entrusted you, Christian, with the gospel. He has entrusted you with the investment that is his words. And so listen, The word of reconciliation, the gospel, he expects us to be good stewards of it. He doesn't expect you to just sit on it. He doesn't expect you to bury it in a napkin and put it in the earth like the bad steward in the the gospel of Luke. No, he expects you to do something with it. We have been committed a gift. Yes, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. We need to go do this, but you got to open your mouth. It's important. 
Yes, it's both. It's do and say. But listen, you got to get the say part because there's a lot of people doing good out there who don't ever say anything. They don't have a message. There's people building wells. There's people building hospitals. There's people who build orphanages, and that's all great. But all they're doing is loving people straight to hell because they never say anything of importance. You got to get the say part. God has committed you. He's entrusted you with the gospel. That's it's important. And here's the reason why there's a little bit of difference. Because you know what? Ministry, ministry is easy. Ministry is fun. Serving people. I mean, if, if you haven't done it, it is fun. I love doing it. I've loved doing ministry ever since I was a little kid. I've been in church my whole life, and I've always loved doing ministry. It's fun. It's a good time. It, ministry is cool. But you know what? The gospel, it can be offensive to people, Right? It interferes with other people's beliefs. It, it, it's mocked nowadays. It's deemed narrow-minded. The gospel isn't as well-received as the do part. God has entrusted us with the gospel, and he expects a return on his investment. There is a difference, if we go back to our picture from before, there's a difference between being given a job at McDonald's and being entrusted with the cash drawer. There's a difference. I'm giving you this job, and of course I expect you to do it, but man, if you're entrusted with the cash drawer, there's an expectation that you're going to do what you were told to do. So man, we got to realize what our job description is, watchmen. We, we have a vocation, and we can't take it lightly, and we can't take the gospel lightly. So most of you have started school already. The rest of you will start school tomorrow. Let me just encourage you again. We have one more week of this, of this series next week. But let me just encourage you, Watchmen. We have been given a ministry to reconcile people to God, and we've been given, committed rather, a word of reconciliation to reconcile people to God. It's the words of the gospel from the scripture that save people. We can't take it lightly because it's the duty of a watchman to warn, right? And like I've been saying every week, we have to remember that a silent watchman is a disobedient watchman you can do all the right things, but if you never open up your mouth, you're being disobedient to what God's called us to do. So let's spend tonight in this last prayer, in this last song, let's just ask God to get our hearts right. And if you've already been in school a day or two, ask him to get you right tomorrow. And if tomorrow's your first day at school, ask him to prepare you for tomorrow, okay? This school year, make it different. Make it count. Let's challenge ourselves to be different this year and to not just get through school like we've done every other year of our life. Let's be watchmen. Let's do what God has called us to do. Let's say what he's called us to say. It's our job. It's our vocation. Let's pray. Father, I come to you, and I thank you for the vocation that you've given us. I do. Lord, you could have chosen any other means to share the gospel with the world. You could have used angels, but you decided to use us, mere humans. Father, you saved us. You reconciled us to God with the, with the death of your son, the blood of your perfect son. You reconciled us. You restored your image in us. You made peace between us when we were your enemies, the book of Romans says. But not only that, you've given us the same thing. You transferred that ministry of reconciliation to us and said, go and do thou likewise. And you've entrusted us with the word of reconciliation, the words that save, the words of the gospel. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word 
of God. And so, Father, I pray for these Christians in here, these watchmen, Lord, that this year they wouldn't be silent watchmen. God, that they would be bold in their faith. And when they're loving people and serving people and doing the ministry of reconciliation, God, they would be bold to open their mouth and share the words that can change hearts, that can change lives, that can transform people. God, let us be good watchmen. Let us know our vocation. Let us understand our job description and how to do it. It's really not that hard. There are intricacies. We can, we can be more effective as we learn more things, but it is very simple, Lord. You've called us to go to the lost and tell them how to be reconciled. Father, I pray that we'd be obedient watchmen. Use us this school year, Lord. It's in your name that I pray. Amen.